Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Frank Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California filmmaking group um, headed by yours truly. And uh, let's see, updates on my front is got Lady Hyde up on Amazon Prime uh, VOD, I believe. Um, hopefully that's going to be up in October. Um, it was picked up by uh, them from me about halfway through September, so uh, it's probably going to take a few weeks for it to get processed and end up on the uh, site. So when it is, I will let you folks know. Uh, and also, of course, getting ready, um, recording this before I head to Las Vegas and uh, going to do some pickup shots there of downtown Las Vegas and Fremont Street and uh, other areas for a little extra glitz for uh, Manuel and Sin City. And uh, then after that, going to uh, assemble those sections in. And uh, go back and do some sound work, and then um, my plan is to have it out by the end of the year. It's going to have it out a little earlier, but um, been kind of doing work and doing other things, so it's slowed me down a little bit. But uh, yeah, definitely going to have it out before the end of 2022. So we'll have two films out in 2022. So it's a good year. Not like Uncle Jess, though, who win in 1982, which brings us to this film. Uh, episode 108, Film 108, Black Boots, Leather Whip. Uh, in 1982, he made 12 films. So, yeah, that's a pretty awesome output. And I don't know if uh, all 12 got released or like 10 or whatever. We'll figure that out as we go through this year. So, uh, <clears throat> this is, like I said, Film 108, Black Boots, Leather Whip, Botas Negras, Latigo de Cuero. Uh, and of course, we take the information from the tome of Franco that we all follow, this being Volume 2, Flowers of Perversion by Stephen Thrower. Uh, and uh, got an update from uh, Plastic Sounds on Instagram. Told me that uh, Strange Attractor is reissuing Volume 1. I think that would be the third printing of it. So. Um, Volume 1 of um, uh, Stephen Thrower's book. So, we'll be out again. Uh, Flowers of Perversion. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, that's Volume 2. But, uh, yeah. Check it out. So, you'll get it again. Volume 1 coming out again soon. Uh, so, yeah. This is um, Botas Negras, Latiga de Cuero. Spanish theatrical title. Black Boots, Leather Whip. Uh, once again, like we said, 1982, and of course, Spain. So, Spain, 1982, the year and country of origin. Uh, alternative titles, uh, Botas Negras, La Latigo de Cuero, Spanish listings. Unconfirmed titles, uh, Botas Negras, Chicote de Cuero. And of course, this is the from the Golden Films period. Um, these films... I'm watching all these in order for the first time. So, uh, um, well, except for Cries of Pleasure. I, I watched that earlier. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, the Golden Films period. And um, I have a lot of respect for this period of films. Um, of course, there's the Euro scene and the uh, Dietrich era and the Harry on Towers era and all that and, and different ones and that. But, uh, yeah, this is a really, a really good phase. Um, very minimalistic, very 
recycling of ideas, but uh, the the speed and the and the precision and the art is is very top notch. Um, that's from my opinion, of course, but I'm sure it's shared by many uh, theatrical distributors, of course. Uh, Lauren Films essay out of Spain and um, timeline on this shooting date. He shot this film in January '82. And like I had mentioned in previous episodes, uh, Antonio Mayans had spoken about they usually film in about a week and then do sound and editing um, for the other two weeks. So they have a film out in about three weeks, done, and move to the next one. And then, of course, distribution, all that's a whole other beast. So, but yeah, so that's that's that was their routine and that was their uh, uh, blueprints and that was the way they operated. So pretty successful. Uh, so once again, shooting date, January 1982. Uh, they got the legal certificate number on March 25th of 82, and it played at its premiere in Seville, uh, October 2nd, 1982. Wow, it came out the same year. That's good. Uh, see, I always thought this came out in 83. Barcelona, uh, October 4th, 82, and then Madrid played January 24th, 83. Theatrical running time, Spain, 89 minutes. Of course, we all know who the director of this is, and the director of every film, that's why we're here, Jess Franco. Uh, writer, Jess Franco. But, this time it's billed the writers as Clifford Brown, once again, the famed jazz musician, which Franco shared the name of for many, many films. I think that's one of his first aliases, is Clifford Brown. So, yeah, Je- uh, writer Jess Franco as Clifford Brown and Jess Franco. Give himself the uh, double credit. <laughs> so stupid. Director of photography, uh, Juan Solar Cozar. Um, but I also seen him build as Joan Cozar as well and other things. Uh, camera assistant, Angel Ordales. Makeup, uh, Manolito Garcia Frali. Music, Daniel White. And uncredited, Jess Franco. But of course, they're billed as Pablo Vila. Uh, the theme, Bajo el Sol, is by Jess Franco and. Rebecca White. Um, let's see. Uncredited. All right. Uh, camera operator, Jess Franco. Production manager, Antonio Mayans. Editor, Jess Franco. Cool. So he shot it, edited it, directed it, uh, and wrote it. Awesome. Just like me. Uh, executive producers, Stella Laraga and Emilio Laraga. That's from uh, the Golden Films founders. And this film is really great. Um, I'm recording this after I watched it. Actually, I watched it last night, and now I'm recording the intro uh, today because I'm going to have the, uh, a tighter intro, and I'm going to have a outro as well on this episode. and going to do that with a few of the new ones. going to kind of keep retooling the show and kind of um, streamlining certain things. So anyway, cast uh, on this is very streamlined as well. We have very... Uh, Antonio Mayans, of course, um, here billed as Robert Foster, and he's playing the character of Al Pereira, the famed detective that we all know and love. Definitely one of my favorite Franco characters. Uh, Lina Rome as Candy Coster, and she plays Lina Danielle. Those are the two leads. Uh, supporting cast is um, Ashon Calero as Ida Ballin. Um, and uh, she plays Rosenthal, the blind criminal boss. 
um, almost like a Elsa type character or a, a Helga. Um, let's see. Uh, Alfredo Kier plays Jean Danielle, Lena's husband. Uh, Rocco Froxus plays Paula, Al's girlfriend. R- really good character. Actually, all three of those are good characters. Uh, and then one of my favorites is uh, Genoveva Ojeda. She's billed as Eva Palmer, which is a nom de plume used uh, in other uh, Franco films in the past as well. Um, was it uh, um, Edie Adams or whatever? And uh, or um, Vicky Adams is one that uses Vicky Adams, and then also uh, Lorna Green. Uh, so yeah, Eva Palmer as Lorna Green plays a Bruta, an S and M madam, who's also we come out to find is. Uh, Lena Daniel's girlfriend as well, Lena Romay's character's um, girlfriend as well. Let's see, and then we have Juan Antonio Garcia uh, as billed as Juan Antonio, and he plays Paquito, a young guy who's screwing Al's girlfriend, but also he's a criminal, and we double dealing and all that we find out. And finally, Angel Ordales is a bearded attacker in a hotel corridor. All right. I'm going to just kind of do less on the notes um, and just kind of hit some things that are proper but not um, going into the story as much. Uh, On this one, production notes. uh, Franco shot 12 films in 1982, matching and even exceeding his output in the early 70s. Made immediately after... Uh, confessions or intimate confessions of an exhibitionist Uh, Black Boots Leather Whips shares some footage with that film namely Lena Romay's sexy stage show with a man uh, wrapped in tinsel and the associated cutaways to a nightclub audience also too that nightclub audience is from uh, two films before Night of Open Sex that's where we first see that audience and of course the next film um um, mansion, or is it um, Oasis of the Living Dead? Of course, uh, or um, Oasis of the Zombies, or whatever. That um, doesn't concern that. So, but yeah, he skips over that and goes back to it again for these two films. Um, a close-up of a Spanish newspaper with a headline "Doctored" to match a plot detail is dated Thursday, the fourteenth of January, nineteen eighty-two. So, production was probably taking place around that time. Um, the story beneath the doctorate headline concerns Margaret Thatcher's son Mark who went missing for six days in the Sahara Desert while driving to the Dakar rally after a large scale search the Algerian military spotted him on January 14, 1982 it's worth noting that Antonio Mayans shaves off his mustache on camera in this film thanks to the speed at which was Franco's shooting Thanks to the speed at which Frank was shooting, this helps to fix the sequence of the next few films made in 1982. Uh, I'm going to give you just a little bit of what Thrower thinks about it. He says, uh, Black Boots Leather Whips is a minimalist drama about a cynical, sex-addicted detective, a manipulative femme fatale, and a shady organization of drug racketeers. Guns, sleaze, sadism are all featured, but you can forget about action and adrenaline 
Despite the elements of a conventional thriller strewn here and there, events are soon pooled into eccentric orbit around planet Franco. Matter-of-fact nudity, open vistas, lots of stillness, absolutely no tension, but lots of somber moodiness. These are the hallmarks of the Golden Films period, and Botas Negras, La Tiga de Cuero, is a perfect example. Visually, the film is a combination of elegant geometric compositions, twilight location work, vivid color, lots of oranges and deep blues, and calculated mundanity. The hotel rooms are neat, but down market, and despite a snooty comment from the supposedly rich Lena, referring to Pereira's car as junk, even the gangsters drive cheap cars. Exteriors oscillate between misty lakesides and tourist trap seaside locations, with a trip to the city dump adding to the desolation. Uh, it talks about El Pereira. Um, okay. So, uh, then of course we know Franco is on screen as Daniel's male lover, a figure unseen in the film, save for the glimpse of a medium shot of his cardigan sleeve and the edge of his glasses. Of course, his voice, we hear that. Um, cast and crew, here we go. I like to go for the technical stuff, because that's something you can't get out of watching it. <clears throat> Besides, opinion's an opinion. Cast and crew, <clears throat> all will become the norm over... As will become the norm over the next few years, the cast is limited to a handful of players. Dialogue scenes generally involve just two or three participants, and a group in, in group encounters are rare. Yeah, with this film, it's uh, Lena and then Al, and then Lena and Al together, and then sometimes they would talk to one other person, the husband or, uh, you know, uh, one of the girls or something. But yeah, very rare to get a, like a group of more than more than four. Um, most striking among the cast this time is Alfredo Kier as Jean Daniel, essentially a bisexual character whom Franco, whom Franco portrays for some reason as a gay man who has fallen in love with a woman. Was, bisexuali was bisexuality so alien a concept to Franco that he could only comprehend it as a crossing of a binary divide? Gene, we are told, has sex with men and keeps a male lover, but he expresses genuine love for his wife, Lena, and in the one sex scene between the two of them, he functions perfectly well as a physical lover. Well, he's just given her oral sex, but... Uh, although he's feminine in manner and style of dress, he has sex with a woman and seems sincere about his romantic feelings for her, so on that basis is something swims like a duck and quacks like a duck, whatever... Uh, sexual ambiguity, gender ambivalence, and concepts of the third sex grew more and more noticeable in Franco's films of the 1980s and stepped with the increased variety of gender options viable in Spanish society during the boom years of La Movida, i.e. the rapid shift toward liberalization which followed in the wake of General Franco's death. The same trends were visualized in a much more sophisticated way in the early films of Pedro Almavar. Uh, so it's interesting to see Franco, a libertine of sorts, but a man of an older generation, struggling to get a grip on the same phenomenon. Music. What an odd score Franco has chosen for this film. Actually, I like it. Uh, the demented synthesizer that burbles over the credit sequence sounds like 
Giorgio Moroder having a nervous breakdown, <laughs> and things are scarcely less strange during the flight during the fight at the wrecking yard, uh, which is accompanied by a single note played on what seems to be a steel stringed acoustic guitar, slowed down to quarter speed, which is interesting because uh, that music I like a lot, and that reminds me of some of the music in some of my early films. Um, at a discotheque, dancers bop around to a weird synthesized oddity that would make ideal linking music for an episode of the surreal children's show Pee Wee Playhouse, but challenging credibility when offered as pop music for teenage boogie freaks. Yeah, that scene I really laughed a lot. It's uh, you hear that the synthesizer sound and it's playing over footage of people in a dance club dancing, uh, and uh, it's bizarre because you know, like they wouldn't be dancing to this song. It's f- fucking stupid. Um, Elsewhere, the disco monks from Cocktail Special turn up again, and the synthesizer composition Love in Blue uh, makes the first of many appearances. Locations. Um, the credits announced that the film was shot at the Rio Mora State, located in Pilar de la Horadada, halfway between Alicante and Cartagena, Spain. However, a glimpse of the distinctive Las Dalias Hotel from the window of Peria's apartment indicates that some scenes were shot at the Flamingo Hotel on the Avenue Isabella Mahoa in Torremolinos. The automobile dump where Peria is attacked by two accomplices of Rosenthal was located in the Playa de, la, Playa de, la, Playa de los Almos region of Torremolinos. Interestingly, it seems that the Cristobal Infantes Bonadilla, the man who owned... Okay, start again. Interestingly, it seems that Cristobal Infantes Bonadilla, the man who owned and ran the dump in real life, was himself something of a gangster. He was sent to prison in 1986 for... Fiddling, which I don't like that word. Eighty-six for messing or for changing the ID registration of cars using the defunct vehicles at his disposal. Fiddling, so stupid. Uh, usually, fiddling is uh, like fiddle about, like it's with your fingers or weird, or it's playing a fiddle. I think when you're changing uh, ID numbers, like in Fargo or whatever, it's more like you know, uh, you know, those type of words. That's funny. Um, shots of the audience supposedly watching Lena's stage act were gathered at Tormolino's nightclub called Pipers. See also La Noche de los Sexos Everettos. Okay. Connection. Alperaria is back for the first time since 1978's La Brule de Parto, burning up inside or burning all over the um, Bridget Leahy film, which is out through... Uh, Pulse Video and through uh, Vinegar Syndrome recently released it. That was a very short, sold-out, two-day sale deal. Uh, I'm not sure it's on eBay. Um, so it's Alperia's first appearance since that film, having usurped for a couple of films by his competitor, Al Crosby, which is, yeah, it's almost the same thing, especially with the uh, Hawaiian shirt. Uh, a fact which Mayans, who plays both, seems almost to acknowledge when he responds to Lena Rome's question, Are you Al Pereira? with his response. I think so, although I'm not too sure anymore. Pereira next appears in Camino Solitario, 1983. 
But see also Diamonds of Kilimanjaro, 1982. Hmm, interesting. Romay's Candy Coster blonde wig, as seen in Macumba Sexual and Confession, and Intimate Confessions of an Exhibitionist, is back too. It will, in fact, be Romay's default look for the next two years. Okay, so yeah, she's stuck with that wig, I guess, here from uh, 82 to about 84. Because I know in downtown heat, she's got the cool uh, kind of punk rock uh, streak in her hair and other stuff, and short hair again, so... Yeah, I swear she's wearing the wig, so. All right, well, uh, what are we looking at here? Oh, pretty good. Okay, so. All right. Uh, yeah, let me just give you some quick notes real quick. Um, thank you all, always, for continually listening to the uh, show. Uh, we always have great numbers, and I'm always happy to see um, it always be around and people still care about it and uh it always gets more popular every month and every year, so thank you once again. Uh, if you like the show, of course, you know I do it all for free every week. If you ever care to donate, there's a donation button or uh, one time or multiple time on the Red Circle uh, homepage, so check it out if you care to. Uh, thank you all to, to subscribe to it. Uh, you'll get uh, a episode every Wednesday morning, 1 a.m. West Coast time. Uh, it's always there ready to go. I do these in advance and program them and get them all set up so they're always there and uh, all that good stuff. Haven't missed a weekend. Haven't missed a week yet. There may be one coming up soon, but we'll see. Uh, if you like this show and you want to see it keep going and you want to tell people about it or whatever, I've redesigned the redesigned the site as well now for easier navigation of episodes. You can go right to the uh, episode number and see which film it is so uh, there's no more having to click and then read, you can just see it and go right to it. So yeah, if you like it, tell a friend about the site and uh, let them know about the show. Uh, if you want to ever write us an email or get a hold of us with any questions or anything, you can at francoobserver at yahoo.com uh, francoobserver at yahoo.com or if you're on uh, Instagram or Facebook, we have pages dedicated to the Franco Observer podcast. You can go ahead and add those and contact us there as well. We're always putting up new content daily, so check it out. And, uh, yeah, if you like this show, like I said, tell a friend. So, all right, well, um, after the bumper music, you will hear myself and Miss Colisini from Los Angeles, California, uh, on Zoom, and we talk for a little while about Black Boots, Leather Whip, and, you know, uh, this is a film about um, people having a good time and uh, having sex and stuff. So, you know, she's going to be talking about that as well, like she always does. So, uh, And then hang out after the review. I'm going to do a wrap-up segment with the Franco Checklist to see what items made it onto the list in this film and to see if he's followed the recipe for the Jess Franco stew. And uh, also give you some closing thoughts. So thank you again, and I will see you on the other side of the break. Hey, we are back now for the film review portion of episode 108, film 108. Black Boots, Leather Whips. 
uh, black boots, comma, leather whip. Uh, I would say, yeah, um, leather whip. I keep saying whips like it's plural, but it's only the, the um, plural boots and the singular whip. Uh, because uh, Lena wears black boots in this film and she works at a place called the Whip of Leather, which is a pretty fucking cool name for a club. So, um, and somebody I'm sure that has been to the Whip of leather, leather is our guest who you see With singing about boots of leather, Miss Collie Sini. How are you today, Collie? I'm pretty good. Yeah, this is obviously a nod to Venus and Furs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that till you just started singing that and and uh, said that. So yeah. Very, oh very yeah, totally. That's uh, to me that was clearly the nod. I mean, he's always doing Venus and Furs, you know, and Severin and all that kind of. He's always winking at that. So yeah, it was obvious to me. It seemed obvious it was a nod to the song. Yeah, no, it's cool. See, I mean, people see other things that are obvious to one and oblivious to other, and I'm that way with certain things. I'm like, oh yeah, da 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 da. People are like, what the fuck you talk? Oh, okay, you know. So yeah, it's funny. It's all <laughs> see different things of that. So, um, I'm gonna give the quick synopsis of this, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, basically, in this film, um, Lena plays a character named Lena, and she hires the uh, famed detective Al Pereira to, she says, um, retrieve a purse for her, but it turns out that she wants him to kill a list of people so she could claim the inheritance of her husband. So Quick correction, though. It was Candy Coster is playing a girl named Lena. There you go. Correct. Lena Romay <laughs> build under the... <laughs> On the plume of Candy Coster playing a woman named Lena. I know. It's I funny. caught that too and thought that was kind of funny. I was like, really? So Candy's pretending to be Lena? <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's this really is... <laughs> oh, oh, Jess in his full circles. <laughs> yeah. I know there's a lot of stuff in here that um, relates to other stuff, which I liked a lot. Um, have you seen this film before? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Same um, here. I, 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 this is one of the few films that I've got, but just like had let slide because of um, poor reviews. Although since the Severn release, and then I guess once it got cleared up and was pretty again, then it, it people liked it more and even changed their rating on it. So it's, I, I know that it, it did get a, a revision work, but I mean, yeah, um, I don't know. I'd kind of been put off of it by friends who were just like, oh, that's one to miss. But I mean, I'm glad I watched it. It was fun, you know. But it, 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 it wouldn't say it's like one of my, you know, oh my God, you have to see this one. But it's it, it was fun. There was a lot of good stuff in it. And I mean, actually, what you were just saying right off the bat, as far as right in the very beginning, there's some moments in there where you're just like, well, that's wild and weird, just right there, like where um, he's looking at that picture of the. Um, he says, uh, goodbye, pussy, or whatever, Pr- pretty beautiful pussy, or something. And she, pretty and pussy, pretty pussy, yeah. And and Lena's like, is that your 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 you know Novia, you know your your girlfriend? And um, and and he goes, no, it's my mom. And he's like, totally serious. He's like, my mom. <laughs> and it's like a woman, like with her bush out, like sprawled in a sexy pose. Yeah, like, it's a centerfold up on the wall, and above the centerfold, did you catch what was above the centerfold? No. A painting of a sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you got that. Yeah, there, there's a sailboat check, you know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's so many checks in this. I did, yeah. did definitely grin about a few of those for you. Yeah. No, I, we, while you were watching, you sent a little uh, story out about a scene you were watching that we were that I was laughing about. So you know, we'll definitely talk about that when the yeah, scene comes. Yeah, for sure. Here. Definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah. So this film um. 
the first nudity in this film is not um, Lena Romay. It's the gal that plays Paula, his uh, girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, who he treats like shit, Al Pereira, <laughs> in the beginning. Calls yeah. her a dirty whore and filth this. Just, you know, cussed her left and right. And, you know, and, you know. I think, doesn't, like, I, I was trying to sort of figure, there was some things that I kind of couldn't follow, but, like, it seemed like like he owed her money or something, or there was, like, some kind of... Well, in the beginning, he's on the run, because he's getting, he's getting, like, threats from his creditors, and he owes yeah. him money, and he's, I like, trying like, to get the like, fuck it out. Yeah. like she was tied into that somehow, though, and I don't know, maybe I got that wrong, but I was like, is, so is she part of that? Is that, like, why no, he's... No, she was her? just his loyal girlfriend that's always there, that always had his back, and Unfortunately, yeah. gave his life or gave. I mean, Al Pereira is always, you know, kind of a low down, dirty, yeah, some bitch. Yes, so, he is most definitely. Um, <laughs> and and also, right at the beginning, we hear really interesting music for a just Franco film. For sure, all the the music all the way through is true. There was like parts where I was like, "That sounds like John Mouse." It's like it was there was like weird stuff in there, like just not. It was not the usual soundtrack. Yeah, because it's just Franco and it's Daniel White, but it's 1982, and so they're kind of doing the like 1982 synthesizer kind of like Michael Mann or type of you know a Tangerine Dream, or or they're kind of getting influenced by other music that's kind of there. Like, oh, let's kind of try this for this, and it fits really well. I think it's I think it's fucking cool, you know. Totally. I mean, I, this is jumping ahead, but the um, I mean, Lena's. Uh, I don't know, sexually ambiguous husband. Um, yeah, I, Mr. Daniel. I, total David Bowie vibes. Like, I kept, like, thinking he looked like, I mean, it, it was, and I was even, like, thinking, like, hey, 1983, that was, like, the Let's Dance, modern dance years, and Bowie was kind of still, like, you know, letting his freak flag fly into that, it, the, the, the kind of classy but effeminate, like, it, he had that same vibe. I, I kind of kept wondering, like, especially since, you know, the, title the lyrics it was like i don't know i was just thinking like i feel like jess is like trying to keep his finger on the pulse or something well yeah because i'm not sure what year pedro almavar started making films but it was probably right around this time or right before so franco is still trying to you know because franco still has his beliefs but he's also trying to stay ahead with the sexual you know beliefs and, and and morals and stuff in spain at the time as well in 1982 so he's he's becoming more open to things and and showing I mean, up I, I think he was always pretty open and as cutting edge as it got for the times you know i mean for the times like i mean now we would what, what we would call transphobic back then it was like he was probably like just really interested in and and just didn't, didn't well, like to, for instance like this character of her husband I mean, he's a complex he's character and he's talking about his thoughts and his beliefs and his ups and downs and why he's sad and why he wants to be this and that and stuff. Whereas before, gay people in the Franco films would talk really effeminate and they would laugh and they'd just be pushed out of the way. More of a joke. Yeah. They're actually people yeah. and their characters and their this and that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's to that end, that's that's what I mean. It's like he, he always was actually in their corner. He just didn't know how to do that right. And he kind of right, grew up right. with it. Like he was kind of learning as he went, you know, and kind of like more he was probably around people who were, you know, like that than than he he you know uh, internalized it more and and became more comfortable like having those kind of dialogues and 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 being seeing those characters as more well rounded and not just yeah so that's the thing is it it seems I think to people nowadays you know 
that that he was you know making fun or or or, or not into it or against it or something. But it, I think really he was for it. All all, all well, also to too. This is thirty years ago it. in Spain. Exactly. You gotta think yeah, about that's that. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. It's for the it's the times. You know, yeah. like you can't you don't want to do presentism and all that. Exactly. But also too, I think working with um, um, Ajita Wilson, the past few films and stuff, he always kind of takes on things he learns from these past films and they show up in the, in the next few films he's doing either a person he's worked with or something he's went through or something. So kind of Lena and him and the conversations they probably had and stuff kind of fixed these characters in these next few films and stuff and kind of, you know, changed his landscape a little bit as well, you know, along with the changing times, you know? Sure. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, so that was really cool. Um, Like we talked about before, there's a, uh, a a sailboat painting um, right above the centerfold um and uh yeah and the uh the uh, uh junkyard scene when he's in there to me that was kind of brutal when he shoots those guys and kills them because like i thought he would uh, maybe hit them and take off runner or something i didn't know he'd like right? just kill them i was like wow he just like killed those guys and i literally said that out loud to my cats i was like oh, he just funny. killed those guys i was like looking at my cats like this guy just killed them over a fucking purse like yeah. he just took the guy's life. Like that's crazy. Yeah, it's but real I, brutal and it's, it's actually effective, you know. Yeah, but then it's like I don't know when he came in and he kind of confronted Lena about it. You know, it's like he's kind of saying like, you know, your goons were there, you know, armed, ready to kill me. Like, you know, this was a trap. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe he was like perceiving it like, you know, she sent them there to kill him because that's what he was kind of coming at her like. And so maybe like he killed them because he thought it was you know a him or them or me thing. Yeah, you know, he he might have seen it as more like than you know than just the they happened upon him thing because yeah, like we never did learn what they were doing there, who they were, why why that happened. It was just kind of well, know. well. I mean, Lena lies to him because she said the the owner was supposed to be gone from seven to eight, and then the security guard comes at eight, mm-hmm. and the guy that was at the junkyard that's a a callman that was one of the five guys in the group that is that has the money in the group oh it was okay okay yeah, his name was uh it was but i do remember thinking like what is the point to having a night watchman come if you just leave the place abandoned for an hour i like, know that <laughs> makes no sense that was a total lie Plus, yeah later on um the husband when he's talking to his lover he says yeah i loaned al Pereira money and i was thinking well how in the fuck did he loan him he goes yeah i don't really know him that well he's a nice guy i loaned him money and then I started thinking back, well, Lena has the certified checks for the amount that gives him to do the job. So him and her, the husband and her were probably set in the beginning thinking they were mm-hmm. going to kill that guy. So he gave the money to that. Because how did Lena have the money to pay him, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. See, I didn't think I about know. that till afterwards. It's like, okay, that actually goes together with what he says, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, he kind of does that a little bit. But he doesn't fill in as much. Kind of convoluted stuff happening in this one. Um. So uh, after that, uh, oh yeah. So I was laughing. So at first we don't see any bodies of water, but we see these like big puddles on the street. Like the whole streets are flooded when they're driving through. So you see like the whole, and it's really shot really well when he's driving that little blue car. You see him like going through all these puddles as the film progresses the puddles all dry up and then in the end when he's driving to meet Lena at the end, there's like no puddle or the puddles are, are way less, you know. So You're obsessed with cool. water in Franco movies. Yeah, exactly. Water, water. Um, and then of course she talks about working at um, 
the whip of leather, which I thought was a fucking great name for a club instead of, you know, the house of the leather whip or the leather whip. It's, you know, the whip of leather. It's just so basic and just perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of the, uh, um, that club, uh, we see scenes that are, that were in the last film. uh, Intimate confessions of a sexual exhibitionist, which I made a video for with a uh, uh, Marvin Gaye song uh, of Lena in the gold outfit. And that same footage is in this film as well. Uh, her with the gold outfit with the guy on stage with the tinsel. But there's a few other angles that he didn't use from the last film. And the crowd in the club that claps and applauds, that's from this film, Sexual Inhibitions of Exhibitionist, and Night of Open Sex. Or, uh, yeah, um, uh, a Night of Open Sex. So he shot those three films back to back and used that same club and the people clapping and cheering in all three of those films. Jeez. Yeah, so it's like all back to back to back. He used the same fucking footage, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yes. Which I totally recognize that because I edited that footage for a while for the YouTube video. I'm like, oh, that's the same scene. That's the same guy, the same outfit. There's the same thing. And, you know, I totally recognize even her putting the foot up. I'm like, oh, shit, that's the same shit, you know? So it's funny. Yeah. Which that's a good scene. I totally like that scene. Can we not gloss over? I, I just want to re- say really quickly how much I loved, like, when Lena took off her, he called it a robe, but it seemed like a, it, it was like a robe slash white trench coat thing. I don't know what was going on with that. Oh, when he, I'm sorry. Yeah. When he first has sex with her after she says, well, I have a half hour, you know, yeah. open right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. Like, their sex know. isn't violent, but it's very, like, aggressive and just rough and sudden. I, and, you know, yeah. The, the vocals are good. Um, yeah, the, the outfit though that she's wearing, it's just simple, sheer sparkly with that belt though. It's just, I don't know. And you can see it like her full boobs and bush underneath it. And it's just, it's like, she's wearing an outfit, but she's naked and it's just magical and sparkly. And I just didn't want to gloss over that. Cause yeah. Cause he tells you, he goes, take off magical. your jacket. And she takes off her jacket. And she's wearing like that light blue fucking chiffon or, you know, a, a Blue LeMay or Shabon. some kind of a thing. Yeah, he goes, oh, it's that's not a nun's. That's it's, not a nun's Super 80s, too. It's a very, very 1983, you know? like that's It's so 80s. Like, the length of the skirt, the way that it's cut, like, the whole look is really 80s, even though it's just a sheer outfit with, like, a belt. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was impressed with that. I was like, that's, like, it was kind of like she nailed the 80s in, like, one outfit. It was, it was magic. I really liked that a lot. And it's cool too, not not jumping ahead, but with that sex scene. So her and him have about like three sex scenes, and all the sex scenes are very similar. They're quick. The ones up against the tree, the other ones up on the table, and they're just like really quick and 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 you know. And the second time when they have sex, she's yelling really loud and kind of like screaming. Mm-hmm. How the birds are flying off the fucking water and shit. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. I like, like I said, I like the vocals. It's very. It, I know, remind it reminded me of good sex that I'd had, which made me happily nostalgic. <laughs> That's good. Um, so they have uh, what else? Did I catch on here. Um, uh, oh yeah. So this part is funny. So Al, they basically put out the story that hey, he killed these two guys in the junkyard, and the cop. And there's a story. It's so so. It's funny. They put a story in the paper that this guy killed two people, and they're looking for him, but we don't see the cops in the whole movie. He doesn't get pursued by the police. The police don't even show up. There's nothing about him, you know, but they know he did it and it's in the papers and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's like no detective. And it's just kind of weird that she like 
wants him to kill her hubby when like she could have just do it herself like i mean she's not she doesn't even have like a good alibi when he does it i was thinking that like who could even yeah. vouch for her like she you know like she's just as like out there and it's like there, it doesn't matter if she killed him or he killed her like who killed it doesn't matter like I, that whole thing was kind of like what's the point just kill him like if, if you're so you know i don't know it just didn't because there's obviously no police who give any fucks like <laughs> yeah i know exactly they're just like oh yeah by the way this guy killed people if you see him calls i guess i don't know but yeah, yeah and he'll do anything for money so just give him some money and he'll he'll do the killings like she didn't, didn't want to kill him herself but i mean she wasn't you know against killing obviously so it's I don't know. Like I was just kind of thrown off by that whole thing. Plus, in the film too, when he's reading the story, it says that he's a wanted criminal and that he has a criminal past. But even though the character of Al Pereira first started off as a uh, Interpol agent and he like worked for the government and shit, so you kind of like, oh, they kind of changed that part of the story. But yeah, fine, you know. Um, yeah. But speaking of that, so he's uh, goes undercover, and uh, I was thinking. So they made a big deal when I was reading about the story about. This is the scene where he shaves his mustache and you see it on thing, him cutting his mustache off on film. And I was thinking of the movie where um, Lena shaves her vagina on film and it's like a big deal. And I was like, oh, it's almost like that, like him cutting off his famous mustache and then Lena shaving herself. Or yeah, That's an interesting uh, parallel. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, I did really appreciate that. I, I always love a good like cut your hair in the middle of a movie moment whenever any character does that you're always like oh cool because especially when they do like a lot of it you know and 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 you know that it's not just like i mean that one was clearly like you know he he did a few snips and 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 whatever and then went to a proper hairstylist and got it done properly but it was you know i mean uh but i I, and that's usually you know how it is but it's it's cool when they when they just go for it and try to make fake you out about it i I like that because we've all done that you know like i mean but usually you do that when you're young i mean when i was young i'd be like i'm gonna get bangs and then i'd be like crying for like a month but yeah guys do when you shave your head or you cut off something you're like fuck that's gonna take me another month to grow it back or you know how it goes yeah yeah, I once cut off like a bunch of my hair and then I remember running to my friend and being like, can you fix this? And she was like, no. She tried <laughs> <It's off>. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the last time I ever cut my hair. Well, I still cut my own bangs, but yeah, that's... I always cut my own hair. Um, so uh, so it's cool when he, when he changes his appearance because that's like a throwback to the original Alperia character and he's wearing a suit and shit. And he looks cool with sunglasses and shit. And he, you know, he looks totally different compared to his. You know, yeah, no, it was great when when the the waitress is like, you know, you're that's somebody else's food, and she's like, I don't think I'll mind. <laughs> yeah, he's all cool. Like he's a fucking. Spy. I actually, I, that, that actually got me at first. I was like, wait, who's this guy? And then I like, oh, okay, then, wow, that's. Then I kind of realized, cool. like, oh, yeah, yeah, wow, he's yeah, he cleans up well. So then yeah, cuts. He's, he's, a, he's a hottie. Yeah, I know he's, he's yeah. he is a good looking dude. So uh, so then it cuts from that to the club, and I was laughing so. Franco has this stock footage of these people dancing and he's playing his like synthesizer music that he made. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is like some Franco dance hit that all these people are dancing to in my mind while I was watching it. And then it goes to the scene in the club and then it, and then there, and then he changes the song to his like stock song from the last few films, the, Oh, you know, song. And then it cuts back to people dancing. They're still dancing, but it's, to that song instead now so i thought that was kind of funny it was just very goofy sounding 
Yeah, I didn't want to steal your thunder and say, but I was happy that you got your your dancing in the club, you know. Yeah, marked off the list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but the I was definitely just kept being thrown by the music. Like, what is this? Like everything they were playing was just a. It was, it had the feel of Franco, but then it 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 also was like, you know, kind of weird and and space like out there a little more like more spacey i don't know how to explain yeah it. i guess it's him approaching the 80s more and because yeah. like i said this is made in 82 he did 12 films in 82 this came out in 83 but but yeah he's 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 just trying to like embrace what's new and trying to different things and and you know which is always good yeah um, which then changes to the outdoor music when he's pulling up and it's got this cool like trippy fucking almost like a bow sound and like a swamp music thing when he's driving the car and and that music was really cool um kind of reminded me of a few uh, friends of mine that did early music for some actually it's funny watching this film a couple of things in this film reminded me of uh films that i made in the past so I, that's the reason why i kind of liked it a little bit with some of the music in that part and then there's a scene later on where lena's Lena kills Bruta with the reaching in the purse with the knife. That was almost like a scene from a love blade that I did, which this was the first time seeing this. So it's funny going, Oh shit. That's almost the same shot, the same angles, everything I used, but it's, Aww. yeah. So it was very, very cool. How romantic um, with you and jazz. Yeah. So it was like, a, it was, it was, it was a nice thing. Um, so yeah. So then we get to the part where we meet, um, um, Lena's husband that she talks about how she once killed, um, Mr. Daniel, his name's Daniel something. And, uh, yeah, he's like a, uh, a a entertainer at the club there as well. So I'm sure he does some kind of a sex show on stage. She does her stage show, so he must do something, you know. Yeah. And then we learn and that F- basically yeah. Lena's with him just for the money and, and, and all that, but she loves him. And it's funny, so I was laughing. They do have a nice pad. Him, him <laughs> and her have the same hairstyle, Lena and Mr. Dan. Totally. God, I hate that wig on her so much. Ugh. They're almost like twins, you know. We can be twins. My friend Lau um, from uh, the Netherlands, um, he um, calls it her Karen wig. He's like, he's like, it's supposed to be the candy costume wig, but it's the Karen wig. Basically, it's like yeah. it's just so lame. It's like, I mean, yeah, she looks like. Um, there's actually like a it was a real Carol. Like, what was it, Carol Channing? Carol, Carol, no, Carol, Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett. That's right, Carol Burnett. Or, right. or Carol Burnett. Yeah, both, both of them like had that, that like mushroom hair. Yeah. Like, I actually had that haircut and my mom had that haircut when I had that. We both had the haircut together when I was like a little kid. She gave me that stupid mushroom haircut and she rocked the mushroom hair. That was like all the rage. That was early 80s. That was totally like. Yeah, no, I totally recognized those wigs. I had the same haircut as Candy Coster. And but like, oh, my God, why was that ever a thing? It's so, so cheesy. Like, ugh. I mean, I've seen a few girls bring that back, but they're do it like you know, almost like because they are like model beautiful, and you can pull it off. You can pull right. anything off. It's like, you can do that silliness if you're so drop dead. It doesn't. It's matter. what the hair's sitting on, is what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, they can pull it off, but like, come on, of all the hair to have, like oh, that's not doing anything for her at all. It does not. It's so bad. It's so so cheesy. <laughs> so then. Uh... We're and it's apart. really conservatively 80s too. Sorry to keep going on about this, but the 80s like were when we started like, you know, going into like being conservative. Like his 70s were like free love and then the 80s were like all materialism and being like kind of conservative and stuff and I mean it's it's a weird look to see like Lena in. Just, well, see, I kind of disagree because I, I I think that wig's more like a 
like a Studio 54, or like she's trying to be like a fucking California 70s kind of a, you know, hot tub. I mean, that's like feathered hair and stuff. Like, yeah, I don't but know. that kind of that little tight. I mean, I think of more like Suzanne's, well, I guess Suzanne Summer's different hair, but I mean, I always kind of think feathered. of like 70s yeah. California, you know, but. No, all the sexy times was like the big, like Charlie's Angels hair, you know? Right. You know, yeah. Then there, there was the one chick who wasn't hot that, that had the, she, she was like the least hot of them and she had that stupid haircut. Yeah. Exactly. Of the Charlie's Angels. Yeah. The one that got replaced and then she was like the not as cute one and she went on to be like on sorry totally going off topic <laughs> so uh okay so speaking of so we had the scene where basically Lena and him had which we talked about earlier where they have sex and the birds fly away and she's screaming all that stuff and then they have this and, and then one of my favorite scenes is right after that actually where him and her have a conversation in the car and she's kind of telling them about her husband and the people in the group and then it turns into the film which I always love films when they have to kill a group of people one by one and they got to go find the person, kill them, they go kill the next person, kill the next that person. That conversation in the car was interesting because of how like crazy focused it was, like the how Zoom like focused in on his face and with her face like slightly in the like the frame of that was so strange to me at first i was like i kept waiting for him to like zoom back out so i could see them better yeah. and then i kind of like got used to it and started looking at it and thinking about it i was like that's really actually kind of clever and interesting it's like you're like you feel like you're in like you're in this like conversation like you're you're right in that car with them and you're all like learning their secrets and it was just kind of like it brought you into it it was it was a very it's- like it's really well edited and it was funny and it, it gave you a lot of information like there's a part where mm-hmm. she's telling him about her husband and him being gay and all this stuff then he asks her are you a post-op transsexual yeah. and she goes yeah. don't be stupid like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like wow that's a question to ask you know oh by the way are you a post-op transsexual like right after you had sex with her again. Twice, yeah. <laughs> like, pretty sure you'd probably have an inkling. I don't know. I know it's fucking so funny. Because like it was, Lena's body is pretty. Yeah, I know she's really great. I would take a lot of surgery to look like. I mean, jeez. <laughs> like I could do all the surgeries and never look like her. <laughs> so it's funny. Hey. After that scene, he he comes home and finds his girlfriend Paula in a bed with a uh, paquito. And there's just a casual um, incest again because she goes, "Oh yeah, this is my cousin," and uh, and then uh, she's a, he, you know, he's just here because you're not here anymore, and this and that and stuff. Which I thought that was pretty funny how he just casually threw that incest angle in again. Yeah, that was yeah, that was weird. I thought, <laughs> like, wait, did I hear that right? And they just kind of casually move it on, like, okay, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> But it's really cool because, like, like we were talking about before, this film, the sexuality in it is very fluid because you have Lena and her husband and their situation. Then you have Lena and Al. And then you have um, the girl and her cousin. And then so it's like you have all these different just different uh, uh, dynamics. And then, of course, Lena and uh, uh, Bruta, her girlfriend later on, you find out, and all these other relationships. Bruta. And- and Franco kind of sums it up because when he first meets the blind doctor and she's a woman, she goes, Oh, are you surprised that I'm a woman? And he goes, well, it's all the same to me. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. That's almost like his philosophy on the sexuality of everything. Like, Hey, you know, it doesn't bother me. It's all the same to me. It's all, it's all relative, you know? Right. As long as you're hot. <laughs> yeah. That was just, and this film has that total, uh, um, that's pretty much my philosophy. Fluidity to it. 
Um, but it's funny. So then we get to the scene where basically he's set up by a, a Paquito and uh, he's set up by the blind doctor and uh, Bruta and uh, they whip the shit out of him. Harder, harder, harder. Yeah. Harder. While the blind doctor masturbates with her cane that turns into a blade that has a claw claw uh, head on it. And yeah, so she's like masturbating with a sea item in that scene, which was pretty yeah, funny, which you were talking about so earlier. I'm happy about that. Yeah. yeah you're all, you're all, <laughs> here we go again. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I posted up a story on Instagram of just that 15 second clip. And, uh, and, and of course, Jason responds to me, masturbation with a sea item. <laughs> yeah. I always laugh about that too, like just saying that's like, the, that's like item. the best bingo of all of your, 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 like, oh God, here he goes off. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was that that was clearly like this scene that the whole I, I don't know my friend Kyle has this theory that like or I, I guess he's been told that Jess like would get these like ideas just come up with these like dreams or daydreams or whatever of just like one scene and then he would like build an entire like movie around that scene and that was like how a lot of his films were born and yeah. he like you know that's probably not the best like business model. <laughs> Like, but no, I've done that before. It, it, There's it, it, a lot of filmmakers do that. If you come up with those ideas, you build around those things. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, well, it was just like he—he he was like, I think that this was like the scene that, like, he just had this like idea of, you know, the 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 whole, you know, the the blind chick masturbating and the, you know, and all of that, and 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 that that was like his vision, and so he had to write this whole thing to make that right figure out how that all connects yeah. to everything else. Yeah, yeah no, he was like, it's not, it wasn't worth it, Jess. But I mean, I don't know, whatever. At least we have this. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, because I, I had a good bath, you know. <laughs> I have no complaints. <laughs> yeah, no, because that is the big centerpiece of the film, and that's the thing that you know is, For is sure. the funny part, and it's funny and it's violent, and there's you know the acting like he's still being whipped and he's not because she can't see and she's into it, and, and yeah, and she keeps going harder, harder, harder. Yeah. Oh my god! It's always got that black humor, that sexual humor to it, and it's got yeah. a lot of cool angles to that to that scene, most definitely. But all she can do is imagine the pain that the person's in. She can't see it. So it's kind of interesting because, I mean, the whole blind thing is actually an interesting dynamic because it makes you wonder what she's like when she's hearing, what she's imagining, what she's thinking. And and then since you don't see him whipping her, you know, you just hear the sounds and you see him raising it. You don't actually see him whipping her. Then you kind of are blinded as well. And so you right. you kind of have to come up with the image. And so you're right there with that blind girl, like masturbating and just listening and that's kind of as my, I, I am they tested me in school and you know said I was auditory you know not not visual right. or kinesthetic but I'm I'm auditory and so that to me is definitely major you know like it's huge when you you hear that and then you have to come up with the visual for it that's that's always been and then and then it's brutal her end yeah. he basically puts a gun right up to her head like blows her brains out <laughs> and I watched that frame by frame and he puts the gun and they show it for like about five frames of a gun, like shooting a melon or like something with a wig on it. And then it comes back to her face, kind of like doing a, a slump down. I was like, Oh wow, wow really? And so they watch it like frame by frame. Like... You'll see a couple of things of the gun flash oh, fire and like a, a wig with either a melon or some kind of a thing that the wig's sitting on, you know, <laughs> nice. flash, you know? So yeah, it's very cool. Um, See some other things going on here before we wrap up. Oh, yeah. One thing I like, too, is um, the Holiday Inn. He shoots it like it's a castle in the distance, which uh, I, th I thought that was pretty cool. I, that was a Holiday Inn. I didn't. Yeah, because it was a Holiday Inn. You see the sign a couple times in the one shot at the distance of like the nice hotel and it's the Holiday Inn. And he's, he almost shoots it like it's 
Dracula's castle or a, a Fu Manchu's castle or something with the palm trees that's around. Great. It. Yeah, it's very funny. Like that's a clever anti-commercial, pro-commercial, whatever. Because it's all nothing, and then this grand hotel, and then nothing. You know, it's just nothing <laughs> around this hotel. Nice. Which was funny. Um, what else I like? Oh yeah, I liked um, uh, that uh, Paula gave up her life to save him. Like he's getting beat up by these three thugs, and she comes in and tries like shoot one of the guys and they shoot her and then she dies in the hallway and he and he's uh there to help her and he realizes that she's got his back the whole time and everything so Aww. he always has that good character like that in the film yeah um, uh what else i like um blah, 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 blah. Uh, there's a lot of cool mirror images i'm gonna go over the franco list at the end in the wrap-up i'm gonna uh, add that on later i'm gonna kind of do that and go through that more but um what did what did you like about this film the most like, was it that this film struck with you? I know you didn't say it's one of your favorites, but what is it that you got out of watching this? Hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, it's kind of just a light one. It's just kind of, it, it, it yeah. definitely hits all of, you know, Jess's notes. Like it kind of, it, 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 you know, there's a lot of like, like I said, like there's a lot of check boxes on your, your list. There's a lot of like little things that just make you go, you just know it's a Franco film and it's just fun for that. And I don't know. Um, I mean, I like the sexy times. I like, I like Antonio being like the hottie. I, I've, I've always had a crush on him. So it's always fun to see him and Lena play together. And you know, they're, their fake sex is hot to me, even though it's yeah. pretty, pretty standard and vanilla. It was still kind of like, just, you know, just looked like good sex with hot people. And I don't know, in my bath, I just thought that was a lovely way to spend my afternoon. Plus, so. I like knowing that these two work together and that they do these films together and they're friends and like her husband's part of the team and they're still doing these fake scenes. And Franco will show like, and it's great too, like Lena, when she's blowing them, she like put both of her hands together and she was just like shaking her head over her hands. And you can yeah. tell that she's not blowing him, but and then he leans his head back. And, but it's just cool. It's just like, okay, you know. Yeah, they're probably all just having fun. Yeah, it's just, it's just basic that yeah. works, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure Jess probably loved that, you know, just getting to watch his gorgeous wife with this hot guy, like, you know, pretending to fuck and making yeah. all the sounds and everything. Yeah, it was, it was good stuff. I don't know. I, I liked the fashion of it, as always. I mean, the transvestites fashion was awesome, or I don't know, whatever, if it was transvestite. Yeah. I mean, just the David Bowie type character. I liked that. I liked all of uh, all of their looks. I liked their looks. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, I didn't really talk too much about uh, Abruta. I really liked her a lot with the tight black curly wig. She's in about five films uh, during this period, um, and uh, she's billed as uh, a Lorna Green, and that's a credit that other women have used in the Franco universe over the years. So that's a credit that gets passed around. Um, Lorna Green. <laughs> yeah, Lorna Green. And it's cool too when Lena kills her, there's a mad magazine magazine when she by her purse where she reaches for the knife and pulls out. So that was the magazine, the book. Nobody reads it, but you see Mad Magazine, which I was laughing at. So I totally like that. You posted that to the to to, to Instagram. You were like, Mad magazine, yay. Yeah, it's like all right. It's like right on top, so I was laughing. And and it's supposed to be her house too, so it's cool that you know Bruta had Mad at you know at her house. Like that's one of her reading materials, you know. Yeah, that was definitely cool. like a big part of my childhood was going into my dad's off limit room and there was he had a box full of mad magazines and a box full of Playboys and I never knew it was like which one do I go to first? 
<laughs> wow, see, that's funny. And as a kid, I bought Mag- Magazine, and I was allowed to have them, but I couldn't take them to school because then I got them taken away by the teachers and stuff. So, you know. Yeah, that wasn't. I wasn't allowed to to look at that. It was all because there's there's oh, a lot of naughty, naughty stuff in there. Right, right, right. <laughs> But yeah, no, I definitely like this film. Uh, it basically was a good movie, movie type film. It was a good um, detective movie. Um, it kind of followed the beats I thought it was going to go. It didn't take any strange paths. Uh, there's a lot of good cinematography in there, cool music. Um, I definitely recommend it. It's something I think more non-Franco fans would enjoy because it's a it's more traditional film. It's not nothing too crazy or you know jaw dropping. I think for you know. Yeah, it's fine. I just, I don't know. I definitely would be the bottom of the pile to recommend, though. Like, I definitely wouldn't tell somebody, like, oh, if you want to watch Just Franco, this is your, like, that is just not, no. But, but like, once you're a Franco fan and you, you get it, then, like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun one to add to your, uh, repertoire or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, 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 uh, def- I, yeah, I probably liked it a little more than you. Like, I would definitely recommend this to people that weren't, like, I was saying that weren't Franco fans. They would probably, like it more than you know maybe other more extreme stuff that we like you know like i yeah. wouldn't show a non-franco fan shining sex i would show them this first you know because it's more palatable i guess i don't know it's, it's like so a movie that you've seen before though. you know like the plot is just so wait what like i still don't really know what happened but well yeah. lita hired him to basically kill off these people so she could get all the money herself i mean that's a standard you know movie yeah. 70s movie. she could have killed i just don't know why she made him do it because she was totally down to well let's spoil it kill him at the end so i mean it's yeah like, which i knew that was gonna happen i was like I oh, mean, she's gonna take all so the money like, if you're gonna kill him then why like have all the attention focused to him because i mean if the police were to get involved they would figure out it was him and then when they see he's dead and she killed him then it's like <laughs> you just blew yeah and her alibi was hey kill all these people and then we'll run away together to france i don't think they would yeah. get like get away from like also why would you not take all the money and run away to france with antonio like the dude is crazy hot like do that like why would you or al Pereira, whatever right i mean why would you like just get all the money and then you're what you're alone like yay i I don't know what's the point to having a bunch of money if you're alone like who cares about well lena's a porno star in this and you know a porno star you know can't love anybody they're all about sex so that's so that was her thing i don't know about that (laughs) anybody can love jason i know Anybody <laughs> can love anybody. So that's true. So. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap up this review portion. So thanks again, okay, Colleen. Okay, my dear. This. Yeah, uh, thank you. I will talk to you again soon. Cheers, doll. Buenas noches. All right. We are back for the Franco list portion of this show. I want to thank again, Kali, for joining me on uh, Zoom. Uh, Zoom kind of sucks now. I'm going to kind of say this out loud because um, when I first joined Zoom, it was like unlimited. But then they hook you because they go, hey, man, uh, now it's not unlimited time. Because we used to do like we talk for an hour, talk for an hour and a half, whatever. Now it's down to about a 40-minute limit, and then it just cuts you off. And we were doing like part two, part three, part four, but that starts to be a drag, especially when you're talking and want to keep that train of thought so uh yeah unless you subscribe and pay money so and uh like i said i'm just doing this for free so i don't want to be dropping a you know wherever the cost is 100 bucks 200 bucks whatever just to do the show for extended time so we can talk longer so 
That's why I've had a little bit of change on the format, too, with the Zoom episodes. Um, That's why I always prefer to do it live, because there's no uh, constraints on time, unless it's our own. So, all right, got that out of the way. Uh, Also, too, um, if you dig this film, I uh, highly recommend the uh, Severin Blu-ray of it. Uh, It's got... uh, because I know a lot of people watch his films streaming or uh, on torrents, which I don't really believe in, but I know some people with money and and availability of things. But Severin's really great. Their DVDs are now like five bucks, and they were selling this film for a while for a really cheap price, I think even five bucks. Uh, but their Blu-ray is always around. And you also with the Blu-rays, you get the special features, which you don't get on the computer sites and featured on this Blu-ray, of course, is uh, the continuing segment, uh, In the Land of Franco. This is part five with, of course, Stephen Thrower, where they go on location to different locations in the Just Franco film universe. And you got to see them then and them now. It's it's really awesome. Um, I've only watched one or two, but one day I'm going to sit back and just watch them all in order. So it's like a total documentary. I think that's going to be the best way to do it. Um, cause then you have like a, a nice wealth of content all nice time wise. And another feature on this is a interview with, uh, murderous passions, author, Stephen thrower talking about black boots, leather whip. Oh yeah. Also too, in the beginning of this episode, I mentioned, uh, murderous passions is going to get a third pressing, I guess, a third, third printing, um, a friend of mine, uh, Plastic Static Sounds um, on Instagram mentioned that to me, so that was very cool. Yeah, good, okay. So, yeah, um, so yeah, that, that's going to be coming out again. But uh, So, yeah, you got the uh, Murderous Passions, Stephen Thor talking about this film, and we also, which I haven't listened to yet, but uh, looks very cool, the audio commentary with... The I'm in a Jess Franco state of mind writer Robert Monell and Nashi cast Rodney Barnett. Um, I follow Robert Monell on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, his I'm in a Franco I'm in a Jess Franco state of mind was a really great site or is a really great site I should say because when I first got into Franco um, I would go to that site and, and really read about a lot of the films and that was one of the things that hooked me deeper into the Franco universe. So, uh, his site, I definitely, and his writings, I have to thank for, uh, getting me deeper into the just Franco, uh, mindset. So, so yeah, i now that I've watched this film and dig it, I'm going to go back again and watch it and listen to the commentary and, uh, see what they have to say about it. Um, so got those, got colleagues. Thank you again for doing this episode. Got that out of the way. And now we're going to hit the Franco list. This is a list that, as I started watching this film, his films, um, I don't. I should go back and see when I first started picking it apart. But uh, my first co-host uh, Eric on the show, we would sit back and notice a lot of the things that would pop up again and again. So then I started compiling a list, and I ran with it. And uh, as I started reading more, I started seeing that um, um, Stephen Thrower noticed a few things that were reappearing as well. So I noticed I wasn't alone in my observations. So as a Franco observer, I observed uh, the landscape and the clues and started writing them down as almost a Rosetta Stone and having to read the Franco films. So it's a Franco reader, almost as you will. So, as you will, if you will. So, 
All righty, Franco list, uh, Franco checklist. The number one on the Franco list, body of water. Yes, there is. Uh, first, there is no body of water. We just see like these giant puddles that he's like driving through, and it's like the roads are flooded. But then later on, you see, uh, and then the body of water just uh, in, the, in a painting. But then later on, you actually see the, the sea and everything out by the coastline. Uh, number two, sailboats, boats. Yeah, first, the only sailboat is a is a painting that we see prominently in Al Prairie's apartment above the centerfold on the wall. So, um, and Franco lights it really nice. But then later on, you see boats in the water. So, number four, palm trees. Yep, yeah, being in Spain, we see a lot of palm trees. So, definitely that's on the list. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. Not really jungle. We have a little bit of birds, but... Uh, we have some of the same sex sound effects, the moaning tracks and that from uh, uh, Intimate Confessions of a Exhibitionist from the last film. So I got partial on that. Uh, six, chained up person. No, nobody's chained up in this movie. It's the very first time. Um, people are held, uh, abducted, you know, uh, gunned to the Alpraria, ladies whipping them and stuff, but nobody's physically chained up. Number seven, dance scenes on stage, stripping. Yeah, we have Lena in the gold outfit uh, with reused footage from uh, Intimate Confessions of an Exhibitionist, the last film, uh, which they mentioned they reused that shot of her and the guy with the tinsel on stage doing the act. It's just more like a sex act where she pretends like she's blowing them. It's not really that much of an act. Uh, but yeah, that's the account, and she takes her clothes off. Uh, eight, club scenes, dancing, or a bar. Yeah, we have the disco scene I mentioned earlier in the episode where people are dancing um, at the club and the cheesy Franco uh, kind of synthesizer, Georgia Moroder, Tangerine Dream style music is playing over. It's pretty funny, his attempt at it. Number nine, jazz music. Yeah, there is a little bit of jazz uh further on in the film but in the beginning it's all synthesizer and that then it goes to a weird kind of a uh, like a steel uh, guitar kind of a or like um, playing um, almost uh, steel sounds through it which is interesting Uh, but yeah there's a little bit of jazz a couple tracks like two maybe Uh, ten excessive zooms yeah quite, quite a few zooms he's really doing a lot of tight shots in this, uh, leading to 11 out-of-focus shots. No, actually, he's really in focus, and when he starts to get ready to go out, or if he feels like he is, he cuts, so the editing on this is pretty tight. It's uh, actually just an 89-minute movie, so, um, yeah. Uh, let's see. That's funny, too. The box, as I looked, the I just noticed this. The Severin Blu-ray says... Uh, color 1983 89 minutes which we all know it's actually 1982 so and it played in 82 but i don't know that's interesting so yeah it's 1982 not three um number 13 of course my favorite number uh mind control theme no there's actually no mind control themes in this film nobody's hypnotized nobody's put under control nobody's obsessed with well i guess eh, not really there's obsession but i don't count that as mind control uh, 15, no, I'm sorry, 14, magic tongue scenes. Yes, finally, I was going to mention this, I, I was going to mention this in the review, I didn't. Um, Lena's magic tongue, finally, like, we don't see Lena's magic tongue until she licks Bruta's tears, and then she makes love to Bruta, the S&M madam. Uh, but yeah, it's funny, Lena's keeps her, 
because she, she has sex with Al and they kiss a little bit and stuff, but you don't see her magic tongue. And then finally, when the girl's crying, she licks her eyes and starts licking her. I was like, okay, there we go. Finally, it took a while, like almost like eighty uh, percent of the film or so has gone by before the magic tongue appears. Uh, let's see, number fifteen, red light. Um, no, no red light scenes. 16A, sheepskin rug, no. 16B, masturbation with a letter C item. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, talked about this earlier with Collie. Uh, let me look at my notes here. We have... Um, there we go. So yeah, the lady, uh, Dr. Rosenthal, she masturbates with a, first it's a cane and then she pulls the end off and it's like a little, like a little saber sword deal. And, uh, but on the end of the cane is like a, a silver claw head. So she masturbates with a C cane and then a claw head, um, on the cane. So yeah, it's a C for the claw head. And the C for the cane that she uh, masturbates to with the head of it while Al Prairie is getting whipped and tortured, which is a cool scene, which is uh, pretty much the centerpiece of the film. Number 17, Mad Scientist and Mad Scientist Servant. Uh, that would be a negative. We don't see any of those in this film. Uh, I mean, well... You have the evil doctor, Dr. Rosenthal, but she's a doctor that's also into prostitution and drug running. So she's an evil doctor, but not a mad scientist. Uh, and actually, she does have a servant, just Bruta, or the Paquito, but no, I don't, I don't count that. 18, uh, fish tank shots, uh, no. Uh, we have a shot of um, a jar with like a, a, um, a little palm tree inside. It's like almost a, a dry version of a fish tank, but I'll say no. Uh, 19, Talking Parrot or Talking Animals. Not yet. Not in this film. 20, in credits, yes or no? Yes, it says Finn, F-I-N. Um, 21, handwritten notes, handwritten signs, anything cheesy like that? No, nothing, not, not in this one. 22, Spiral Staircase Shot. Uh, no, I didn't catch any of this. 23, uh, Inept Cops. Yes or no? Um, yes, but not seen. Because they mentioned that Alpraria killed the, t the the two people in the junkyard, and then they know about him. They tell about who he is and his criminal past, all that stuff. But then, like, you don't see cops come out and arrest him. You don't see him on the run. You don't hear anybody. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, he's the guy. He kill he kills the people. And that's it. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Twenty four belly chains. No belly chains. Twenty five uh, kinks. Well, we talked about that earlier with the. Uh, torture and all that 26 great headboards uh no didn't see any cool headboards in this 27 uh the theme of this film is it fear or desire it'd be desire lead desires the money the inheritance from her husband so she has alperia kill off the people that stand between her and the money uh, 28, acoustic guitar player. That would be negative in this film. Nobody strumming an acoustic guitar, seducing anybody or at a club or anything. And finally, 29, reading a book scene. No, there's no reading books in here, but there's magazines that are seen. Um, and I took a picture and put it on the Frank Observer podcast Instagram feed. 
um, when Lena's with Bruta at her place, we see a stack of magazines where Lena puts her purse, and right under her purse is the three letters M-A-D for Mad Magazine. So yeah, right on top, I love that Bruta has Mad Magazine at her place, and I think she has like a detective magazine, like one of those um, 70s, 80s ones where it's like stories and about robberies and that, so yeah, that it detective stories and uh, magazines so yeah that's what they got there which is funny because it's a detective movie so it all comes together so yeah that's the Franco list for this film Black Boots Leather Whip so once again thank you all for listening to the Franco's River Podcast Uh, the next episode will be episode 109 of film 109 the sinister dr orloff that would be just franco's 1982 revisit to one of his favorites and most oldest characters i'll talk to you then arrivederci buenas noches maha mm-hmm.